relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Going deeper on the big issues that matter to you, this is your exclusive podcast, America First, one-on-one, with me, Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to President Donald J. Trump. Welcome back, dear friends. This is America First, one-on-one, where we get to talk about the big issues of the day with a true expert and a friend of the show. Today, it is my distinct pleasure and honor to have with us um, on the day, the day after, or literally the week of the publication of a brand new book, it's BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, none other than the Heritage Foundation's Mike Gonzalez, Senior Fellow at the Allison Center for Foreign Policy. Welcome back in studio, Mike. Seb, it's so great to be on with you. I think the last time I sat in this chair was the publication of my last book. Yes. Is that what a guy has to do to be here? Well, you know, it helps. I mean, it, it, it is a mark of, uh, of being a serious man to be writing books. Last time uh, you talked about the uh, critical race theory, yes, the way they're dividing yeah. us, how right. people shouldn't say they're a Hispanic American <laughs> or divide themselves. Now we're back with an incredibly well-timed book. It's, it's, it's inscribed for me. I haven't even seen the inscription yet. He's literally just arrived in studio. Uh, first things first, for those who are not familiar, who didn't catch the last in- interview, who just landed on the dial and, and caught this or had the link shared uh, to them. Who is Mike Gonzalez? Where do you hail from? What have you done in the past? And why have you written this book? By the way, that inscription is going to lower the value on eBay. No, I no, just no, no, no. You know that. no, 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 um, no, 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 no. <laughs> so I am a uh, former reporter. I was uh, almost 20 years uh, writing mostly from overseas, uh, mostly in Asia and Europe uh, with 11 years with the uh, Wall Street Journal. Most of those with the editorial page, uh, 10 of those 11 years. Uh, before that, I was a wire service reporter. I've been, I, I lived in Kabul. I lived in seven different countries at least a year, reported from all of Asia and Europe. Uh, a couple of Latin American. My first assignment was Panama, where Noriega put me in prison and kicked me out after uh, wow. one month. Yeah, and then after that, I went to Hong Kong. And uh, I, never, I never really returned to Latin America as, as, a, as a foreign correspondent. Um, why, did, the, why did he put you in prison? Were you just the 80, truth? Was it telling the truth? What was your sin? 88, I think it was 89. It was 88. It was 1988 at the beginning. Uh, Poppy Bush, as you know, invaded soon after. Uh, I think I'd like to claim being the catalyst for that, but I, I don't think that was the case. Um, so, but what was the reason? What was the excuse? They didn't give me an excuse. They, it's the same way as when China canceled my visa. They, don't, uh, they just said, uh, you know, we don't like where you're writing. I'm going to put you in prison. And uh, they said a couple of nasty things to me about along the way. Kind of in a jail they had at a Mark III Hills Airport. I don't want to over-egg it. Um, and then uh, I was in the, in, the, in the Bush White House. Not in the White House, in the Bush administration, uh, the State Department, and the SEC as, as a uh, speechwriter. And then I was in, in Trump's 1776 commission. As you well know. Uh, the one that was created weeks before the uh, transition of power, which was dissolved the day the that first Biden thing he did. The first, fir- first, the first thing, thing Biden, Biden did. Is, the first thing Biden does is his EO, 
uh, in which he, 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 he gets rid of the uh, ban on CRT uh, indoctrination. He gets rid of the commission, the uh, commission to demands made by BLM, by the way. I found out subsequently that BLM had made these demands in December. You have to get rid of these two things. In an, in, in an 11 point, that's not the only things that demand it. Um, so, Biden, so Biden was doing BLM's work. Yeah, BLM's bidding, yeah, as he, as he has been doing largely since then. Uh, born in Cuba and... Uh, Mostly, you, you know the story. I've been at Heritage for, for 12 it. years. I know it, but I want our yeah. millions of listeners to know. I, I bet I've been at Heritage for 12 years. I'm a senior fellow there, and I'm happy writing. I'm happy as writing, but these days I travel the country. I've been to many cities in the last two months. will be to many, many cities in the next two months. race theory. All right. Uh, I have to get it out of the way because uh, we're going to mention your Twitter handle. What is, who is Gundis Salvas? Why is that your name? Gundis Salvas is Gonzalez in Latin. And it's G-U-N-D-I-S-A-L-V-U-S. And I was the first one to get it. Many Gonzaleses since then have emailed at me or tweet or DM me very angry, saying, how could you grab this? <laughs> <laughs> but why do you want to be Gonzales in Latin? Explain. Uh, I don't know. I just like the, the, the classic aspect of it. You know, I like the uh, genealogy is one of my hobbies. I haven't, I haven't gone back to the Roman Empire, but I've, I've come close. All right. The new book is The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, BLM. Why did you write this book? Why is it important for people to understand the truth about this organization, this movement? Uh, very, for many different reasons, but I would say at the top of the list, it must be the fact that journalists never really covered uh, BLM. They covered, they wanted to talk about a movement. They wanted to talk about the demonstrations. They never really wanted to talk about the organizations themselves. Uh, they are organizations that are very important, the, the founders, who the founders are. They never really vetted them, he, uh, and they never talked about the possibility that rather than a reckoning, a racial reckoning, uh, in 2020, what we saw was the manipulation of, of a, a, a harrowing death in order to destabilize the country and pull out its foundations and completely dis, uh, dismantle, in the words of Alicia Garza, one of the top uh, founders of BLM, of BLM organizations, uh, she says that she wants to dismantle the organizing principles of this country. If you want to sign up for that, uh, then you go ahead and sign up for the BLM organizations. I should say that the reason why journalists and even uh, politicians of both parties, by the way, are shy of, of saying these things is because BLM is a wonderful slogan. Who could be against Black Lives Mattering? Yeah. I mean, they're compatriots. They're, they're human beings. They, they, you know, if black lives don't matter to you, I don't even say all lives matter. I say black lives matter. Black lives matter to me. Uh, and, and, but the, the, the fact that these organizations were founded up by Marxists who are very clear about their intents, that also matters to me. Well, let's listen to that. We, we have a clip of uh, one of the founders just to uh, bolster and back up what this man is saying. And uh, she admits who they are. Play clip one. I think of a lot of things. The first thing I think is that we actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. We are trained Marxists, quote, superversed in ideological theories. That's Patrice Colores, one of the founders, uh, admitting what BLM is or who it's run by. Let's ask the most uh, important practical question. In all your research, 
Everybody needs to buy the book. But tell us right now, is this a centralized conspiracy or is this a like a leaderless organization? Is this Hydra? Is this um, uh, AstroTurf? Is it ground up? What is BLM, Mike Gonzalez? It's closer to a, a, a really an organized conspiracy. They meet in Ferguson uh, uh, after, after Michael Brown in November uh, 2014. And the, 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 all the leaders of uh, BLM... Uh, obviously, BLM has been founded a, a year earlier after Trayvon Martin was killed, but it really is Ferguson and Michael Brown uh, that that really coalesces all the groups of the left. They show up at Ferguson in November 2014. Uh, you know, Liberation Road, uh, Lisa Firth, uh, sorry, uh, Fithian, uh, who's another Marxist organizer. All these people converge in Ferguson and decide on a blueprint, and then. From Ferguson to 2019, they destabilize America, but nothing like what happens after May 2020, right? Um, this is a supremely important. Thank you very much for playing that tape because they say it. And journalists never mention this. or When they mention it, they minimize it. PolitiFact, you know, it really was egregious. They had a, 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 a fact check in which they said Marxism today it's just a way of looking at life through an economic lens. You know, I, look <laughs> I, at, think, I think that's the way it was in 1917 <laughs> as well, Mike, wasn't it? I, I look at life through an economic lens. I have an MBA. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 made, I, you know, I, I emphasize finance. I'm not a Marxist. Yeah. <laughs> this is an outright lie yeah. and well, a shameful lie. Well, it's a political fact. What do you expect? What do you expect? Um, you, you, let, let's uh, talk about the goal. A lot of things have been scrubbed. Their website said one of their goals is to dismantle the traditional nuclear family. That line was um, just kind of vanished, like Trotsky out of the photographs with Lenin and Stalin. What is the goal of this organization, Mike? Well, by the way, as you know, because you know these things, that's a line taken almost verbatim out of the Communist Manifesto. Marx and Engels abolish the family. Why do they abolish? Why do they want to abolish the family? Because as they explain, it is the basis for the, for the whole superstructure, right? To borrow a term from critical theorists, um, uh, Horkheimer waxes poetic about how the family just breeds. Max Horkheimer, obviously, at the Frankfurt School, a, a, another well-known Marxist, about how the family just breeds authoritarian character, uh, it is. It is. It's at the basis. So you have to abolish the family if your if your aim is to get rid of society. And as you know, this this is also followed by George Lukács, yes. who was. I don't need to tell you the culture commissar in the Hungarian Soviet. Uh, I think it was what three hundred thirty three days. Very short lived. Very short. But but what he his 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 novelty his what he brings is that you have to teach depravity to children K through twelve. The, the, the fact is, the family is the building block of civilization. The family is the bulwark against whether it's communism or fascism, BLM or Antifa, and that's why they have to destroy it. Mike, uh, let's uh, talk about your personal experience uh, as an immigrant to the United States, as somebody who's tracked the divisive politics of the modern radicalized Democrat Party. What is your response to those who say, yes, America is inherently racist, and you talk, the first chapter, I think, is about the founding and the, the versus slavery and this idea that, you know, white people People will always have to pay the price of slavery. Is America genetically racist? No, obviously not. And, and obviously my background in the first 12 years in a communist state, a very radical communist state, 
Um, uh, that obviously impressed me a great deal. But so has every other country that I have lived in, uh, Seb. I lived also in Francisco Franco, Spain. I've actually lived on the communism and fascism. I'm able to really differentiate between totalitarianism, authoritarianism, and democracy. I lived in Korea in the 80s as a foreign correspondent uh, when Korea was transitioning away from being a military-ruled authoritarian place into a democratic place under the presidency of No Tewu, whom I met. I have lived, I lived in Hong Kong for eight years, a place that, were, that was free market but did not have freedom. I lived in France, Belgium, Spain. My wife is Scottish. Uh, all these places in which I have lived, I'm able to compare and contrast these people who say that America is systemically racist and has been so since its founding, and, and it has an oppressive superstructure, an oppressive system, I have simply not traveled or, or are just lying. So as an immigrant, where would you rank America in terms of inherent racism or uh, persecution of minorities? Well, as an American who loves America, I would I, I very happily rate it as number one. Obviously, there are measures... In terms of freedom. In, in terms of freedom and human flourishing and the ability to realize the American dream, which is really the ability to realize your dreams, the ability to, to, to come in as we came in in the early 70s, none of us speaking any English with very few dollars in our pockets, and, 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 and soon after some poverty, and I've, you know, I've, I've known that, uh, being able to rise, you know, study, work hard, it, it is you are able to do that in this country. Uh, you're not able to do that in many, many, uh, the vast majority of countries on earth. And the one thing that you are not able to do in any other country is become of that country. As Reagan said, mm-hmm. you, can be, you can never become Chinese or French or British or English. So true. So you, true. You and I both know we are American. And, 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 and we, we feel America. Nobody has to, nobody an, can an tell us otherwise. An immigrant will never rise to the top of the elite in the UK or France or elsewhere. If you have the wrong accent, born in the wrong place, didn't go to the right schools, you will never be a part of that nation's elite. In this country, it's the opposite. I, an immigrant, can actually end up in the White House. You yourself can end up in uh, you know a, 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 an administration as somebody born in, in, you know, in Cuba. So let's talk about the last 20 years. I saw the the Obama years as, as the 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 culmination, the fruit of the people like Marcuse, Adorno, Lukács. That's when 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 division based on race truly accelerated, which was the antithesis of what I saw in the White House working for President Trump. Is I saw a man who he really didn't care where you came from. If you were an American, he wanted you and your family to be safe and to prosper. Period. End of story. How responsible is the Democrat? Forget BLM for a second. Right. The Democrat <laughs> Party for the engendering of race tension where there wasn't. Yeah, Obama hid this very well, actually. But I would say the apotheosis of this uh, is shown in as he's leaving office in September 2016. He thinks Hillary Clinton is going to win. And he tries to create yet more, one more category, MENA, for Middle East, North Africa. These are Americans who you would know, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, Sununu, uh, the, the president of... of, of uh, the governor. Of, the, yeah, the governor of, 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 New, New, of New Hampshire, but also, uh, you know, George Mitchell. Um, uh, what's the name of the president of Purdue University who used to be governor of Indiana? His name escapes me at the moment. You know, he's like, uh, he also half Lebanese. 
These are people who I, I interned for Helen Thomas, by the way, in the White House in the 1980s, half Lebanese, full Lebanese. She always said, I don't believe in hyphenation. You're an American. If you're born here or you naturalize, you're not hyphenated. You're an American. Uh, obviously, she had uh, there were other problems with Helen Thomas. But my point is um, that, that he tried to create this other victim category. I, right off the bat, criticized in the extreme. And Trump, to his credit, uh, just said, uh, the administration said, we're not going to create yet one more victimhood category. So, yes, Obama very much embraces this idea of that we're a nation of categories, that the actual, the, 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 the important subject in the story is not the individual, it is the, mem- if the category member. And it is through the category, whether it's a, a race-based category or a national origin-based category or sex or gender or sexual orientation, if you are, if you are given a victimhood status, then that elevates you. And what we have right now under Biden is for the first time since Jim Crow, uh, the president of the United States is signing into law bills uh, that favor one racial group over another. Uh, we cannot go back to this, Seth, as you know, but, uh, uh, Seb. We, this will be a ginormous step backward in, 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 in our trajectory as a country to have race-conscious policies once again for the first time since the signing of the Civil Rights Act in 1964. Yet President Biden is signing these bills into law. How significant is it? That over the long weekend, in at least four colleges where the the football game was played over the long weekend, you had a spontaneous chant. We played it on the show yesterday of F.U. Biden, F.U. Biden. This didn't happen under Trump and Trump was supposed to be the racist. Is this uh, is this a good sign? Is this a rejection of divisive politics? I know it's related to covid and masking and social distancing. But to see a millennial generation that so many of us have had said was indoctrinated, totally brainwashed, to see this? Is this a, a positive sign of resistance and common sense, Mike? <laughs> well, it obviously never is a good sign when people are shouting obscenities in a public, in, in, a, in a public arena, whether a, ch- a children place. I take my children to, to, game, to sports events all, uh, every, every day. I just found out about this this week. I watch a lot of football, college football on Saturday, and I loved the fact that people were turning out Nobody was right. The, 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 the Texas Tech game. Living. The, the, just living. The, 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 sorry, the, uh, the, the, the Virginia Tech game. People were jumping up and down. They, they were over 100,000 people everywhere. I watched the Notre Dame game. People, America was back. Yes. And in, 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 I, 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 more than the fact that I, I, I love college football, I love that. I'm not surprised that people were chanting this only because the left in general has been so associated with wanting to curb our life, wanting to curb our freedoms and our liberties. Um, obviously, again, I decry the use of an obscenity in a public space. But it's a signal of something. It's, let's, a, it's let's, a signal. Let's ignore the obscenity. Yeah. It's a signal of, of, of the return of common sense, isn't it, Mike? And, and of identifying the left with, try, with, 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 with a with denial radicalism. of common sense, with, with, with a radical denial of individual liberty. Yes, good. So this is a sign of something positive. If we just put the language right. aside, it's a sign that people say, enough, I want my freedom. Right. Uh, yes. And, it, and, and, and nobody organized that. <laughs> that, that was just <laughs> right. completely spontaneous. You can't organize, you know, 60,000 <laughs> kids at the age of 20. In, in different games. In, in five different campuses. Yeah, right. Right. It's not <laughs> happening. Okay. Um, let's get back to the book. It's BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution. Uh, You've got a whole chapter on on Follow the Money. We'll talk about that in a second. But first things first, 
What is, you've studied them. This is a new book. You know more than anybody else, maybe along with Andy No about BLM. What is the strategic end state? What is it they wished? Is it the collapse of America? Is it white men enslaved? What, what is the, or is it just some kind of race-based anarchy, Mike? Well, it is very much uh, the collapse of American society. And it is Alicia Garza who says that. She says to a group of Maine leftists in 2019, let me be very clear, what I'm talking about here is the, the, the dismantling of the way we're organized as a country. The okay, dis- but, but you can take something apart. What do you do then? What, what is the thing they are positing right. as the, uh, the destination? Right. Like? I know I asked myself that question very much. And in fact, Marx himself was not very clear. No. But obviously, and neither was Horkheimer. But if you read enough of these guys, you know that what they like is central planning. Yes. They like collectivism. By definition, they like collectivism because they support collectivist uh, categories, right, in acting through the collectivized category. They think and they write uh, uh, often, well, they first they say that capitalism is racist. All of them, all of them, it, 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 it was something they share with all the critical race theorists, despise capitalism and say that capitalism is racist, which boggles the mind because if anything is colorblind, it's capitalism. Um, and so the, we, what is the alternative to capitalism? Well, it's state control, it's central planning, it's collectivism. All these things that have been perfect in only one way, Seven, I don't have to tell you. It's a, a, a perfect record of utter failure, ruin, human suffering. Uh, 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 it always ends in tears. Yeah, yeah. Um, do they... Communism, in other words. Let me just give it the right word. Okay. Communism. Communism, <laughs> which has never succeeded in the 40 nations. It has been tried in the world, just a little footnote. And if you want to know the true cost, you don't have to listen to people like Mike and myself, whose families suffered and were persecuted under communism. Read the book written by French socialist, socialist historians who realized the truth after they'd written the book, which is the Black Book of Communism, that yes. is the spreadsheet right. for the last hundred years of the cost of Karl Marx across the globe with an estimated, at the end, they go from, you know, the Soviet Union to Vietnam with an estimated 100 million people killed by Karl Marx's ideology. 40 by, nations, 100 million dead. By the way, God really goes out of his way to give us laboratory experiments. He gives us North Korea and South Korea. He gives us his <laughs> Germany and West Germany. Right. He's sitting there going, Will you humans never learn? Right. Look, look, open your eyes. Open your eyes. The um, the best example of all is just that literal snapshot of the Korean Peninsula at nighttime. If you guys haven't seen, find it and to the next, you know, cretin who says, well, you know, let's try socialism. A photograph of the Korean Peninsula after dark. The North. Pitch black, no electricity, <laughs> nothing. South, like a Christmas tree. That's the reality of capitalism and freedom. Um, Mike Gonzalez, the author of BLM, The Making of a New Marxist a Revolution. So talk to us about money. Where does the money come from? Who's giving it and how much to well, BLM? A, a lot of money, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I go in that chapter. Uh, uh, Buffett's son, I was just in Nebraska. Warren Buffett? His son, yeah, is uh, he gives a lot of money. Uh, Soros obviously gives a lot of money, but foundations give a lot of money. Um, but big corporations, uh, they, no? Yeah, big corporations, although they try to hide it. I go, I have several paragraphs there as to, as to what corporations gave what. In uh, in to, to give an explanation, you know, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know why somebody who benefits from capitalism give and and a lot of individual Americans 
who are good Americans who have had their feelings and their guilt manipulated uh, because nobody has pointed out the truth. I've written this book, BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, to point out the truth because I, I, I'm I sickened at the, no, at the good people who pitch Black Lives Matter signs on their lawns. Let, let me suggest a simplification. N- number one, um, white guilt, right? They, right. They, they, it's self-hatred. Right. Right? I'm successful, I'm white, I must be bad, therefore I'll give lots of money. Right. And the second thing is it's an insurance policy. They, they, this, is, this is racketeering. They, they don't, Coca-Cola, IBM, doesn't want to be accused of being racist. Right. Therefore, like you know, the way Al Sharpton became a millionaire, hey, give my foundation a lot of money or I'm going to say that Microsoft is racist. So it's an insurance policy. It's buying peace. It's buying peace at the expense of our nation, at the expense of our society, because these organizations, the founders of these organizations, do not have the, the, the good intentions for us, do not have good intentions for, for American society. They want to dismantle it, replace it with central planning, collectivism, i.e. communism. And they say they're Marxists. All these things go hand in hand. Um, any, this is all very accessible, by the way. I quote mainly the left. If you see him, I have extensive footnotes. I quote the left, but anybody can find it. Go back to my footnotes. So, well, I don't believe Mike Gonzalez. Let me look at his footnotes, right. and they can all find it there. It's all here. <laughs> Lots of very small type, type footnotes uh, with, with sources, uh, because that's who Mike is. Where, uh, Mike, where does Antifa fit into BLM and this radicalized, divisive left today? Well, Antifa gets a lot of, first of all, I'm rather tough, maybe too tough, on the people who talk about Antifa. Andy No has done fantastic work. He's a very courageous yes. uh, journalist and writer. Uh, however, when politicians, especially conservative politicians, emphasize Antifa, it kind of bothers me because Antifa has become their safe space. Antifa is... is Explain bi- that. Well, for, from what we know, it is, it, it's largely a white yes. organization. It, it doesn't have Black Lives Matter as its title. Um, it, it, is, it is anarchist. It's not really Marxist. Uh, it, it is violent, but it doesn't have any of the cachet or the cult or the value or the, 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 the power that BLM has. BLM has bills in Congress. It has a foreign policy. It has a curriculum which is being taught in schools across the country. It has uh, it, 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 it's steaming up with a musical Hamilton. It is you know it, it has incredible cachet. It has incredible power. And Tifa lacks all these things. So I, are you saying that, that we shouldn't pay attention to no, Antifa not, or, the, or that BLM is much more dangerous? I think that I, I want to stiffen the spine of our political class on both parties and say, you know, we really have to be able to point out what BLM stands for, who the founders of BLM are, what they say oh, they want I to see. do with so, American so society. So by safe space, you're, you're saying politicians are yeah. key, more keen to discuss Antifa oh, all the time, right. because it's safer without consequences. It, it has it's very little consequences. And, and because they're white kids, they're yeah, anarchists. Yeah, nobody's going to come back to them and say, you're racist. How can you right. be against Black Lives Matter? Right, 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 right. You know, right. Uh, it, it's so safe, safe for them. I, I deplore Antifa, obviously. I think Antifa is awful, but, but they don't have anywhere near the reach yes. that Black Lives Matter does. We're not, we're not, we don't have the spike in violence that we have today in our cities because of Antifa. We don't have uh, CRT Looting. in our schools. Right, right. We don't have critical race theory in the military, in the houses of worship because of Antifa. 
Uh, we have it because of Black Lives Matter. All right. So the most important part, and everybody needs to read the book, BLM, The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, by our special guest, Mike Gonzalez. By the way, if you enjoy one-on-one, if you want to show your pride in America first, please check out our brand new store. Yes, sedgorkastore.com. Only U.S.-made products, hoodies, hats, my books, signed books, this beautiful mug, America first, with an eagle on the bottom. Why? Because it's made in America. And to celebrate President Trump coming on our show to launch our new podcast as he was on air, we launched our T-shirt. Don't be woke. Don't be a loser. You can get this. They are <laughs> flying off the shelves, guys. People from Australia are ordering them. SebGorkaStore.com. If you're woke, you're a loser. Check it out. SebGorkaStore.com. We'll get, I think Mike needs one. Let's get Mike one of those as well. Uh, so let, let's go to the so what. Every issue, the only question that really matters after the analysis, after the footnotes, is what do we do? So what is the response to BLM? What is the response to Antifa, BLM, CRT? Um, how how much of it can be countered by? Look, I love it. You know, I, I, I'd read the Claremont Review of books if it came out every day. I'd read it. But <laughs> things like the the 1776 Commission, hugely important, but that doesn't really have a grassroots effect. Seeing mothers at school boards say <laughs> CRT is racist. You're teaching my black kid. They're always a victim. So and so and so. So what is what is the if you love America, whether you're an immigrant or born here, what do we do about BLM, Mike? Well, I think that, by the way, I've been traveling the country. I've been to 15 cities in the last two months. Wow. I'm going to be traveling for the next three months, another 15 cities or so, three different countries. But it's especially what's happening here in America. Parents are really turning out. You know, for the first time, the critical race theory professors really did not meet and encounter any, any opposition. They took over the faculty lounge start in the mid-'90s. They encountered very little opposition. Now they're encountering opposition for the first time in decades because they're encountering among the American people. Yes. The American people, as you know, social scientists have pointed this out, foreign visitors have pointed this out, are, are uniquely, uh, exceptionally attached to liberty. And what they, they're saying, what? What do you want to do? No, they're outraged. by, by so, so, so there's a wave of grassroots opposition People speaking. I was in. I was in Omaha three weeks ago. I was in Indianapolis two weeks ago. I was in Madison. If you can believe it, four hundred people turned out in Madison. Wow! The belly of the beast. Uh, where where critical race theory was first launched in nineteen eighty nine. Um, uh, so, so I think the the American people. I think there's an American Renaissance that we're seeing here, Seb. I think they're waking up. They 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 they, they and it's all grassroots, by the way. That's fascinating. So so is it is it. Is it the lesson of the last year and a half, COVID, the shutdowns, the mandates, the, the uh, forcing of CRT into the schools, is simply to take back America, school board by school board? Just get, just get engaged. Just get, I, think, I think they're becoming engaged. The, the school boards themselves have never been they, – they, they, they have been so controlled by the teachers' unions you know, from, for a very long time. When you go and you, people elect – members of the school board, not knowing really who they elected. This is the last person you do any research on. Yeah. You research the president, you research governor, you research senator and, and members of Congress. By that, by that time, you're exhausted. <laughs> um, so what I generally do is I go to the teachers. I've been doing this for years. You go to the teachers' union stables and say, I'm sorry, I'm lost. I don't know whom to support here. Can you give me some advice? Uh, and then I do exactly the opposite. Right. So whoever <laughs> the teachers' union recommends, you know that's the bad guy. <laughs> right. So, so here's, here's the, the next level question. 
what do we do about the unions? And especially for me, the Petri dish, the, the breeding ground for the virus of things like critical race theory are the, co- the teacher training colleges. It's, oh, it's, yes. it's where the Marxists, oh, where oh the, the little goodness. soldiers yes. are, are, are trained and, and dispersed. Yeah. So what do we do about the tre- teacher training colleges and the unions, Mike? Well, the teacher training, I mean, I'm so glad you brought that up because we may have to just say get rid of the accreditation. Say you don't have to be accredited uh, in order to teach in K-12. through Bill Ayers, whom I mention a lot in, in this book, uh, Obama's was, mentor, Obama's former mentor, terrorist. A former terrorist who, who goes in the lab, goes, former member of the Weather on the Ground. By the way, it's the Weather on the Ground. A former member, Eric Mann, who trains Patrice Colors, recruits her, in fact, and he boasts of doing that. Uh, so what does Bill Ayers do when he realizes it, But they were very bad at planting bombs? Brother. They knew, they almost, but well, they he, killed, they blew they, up themselves they up. They blew up once. themselves up because they didn't know what they were right. doing. But what does he, he realizes they're not going to change America. He goes to Teachers College at Columbia and gets a degree in what? In education. Yeah. And he gets a PhD in education. Yeah. He is people who don't know any better, or some who do, call him an education reformer. Uh, it, it's like call, somebody said it was co- like calling Stalin an agricultural reformer. <laughs> <laughs> it was Sol Stern yeah, who said that, that. That's, a, that's a good parallel. That's a so, good parallel. So, so, so what is the main text taught in, teachers, in, in, in schools of ed? It's Paulo Freire's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Yes. Pedagogy of the Oppressed, which is critical race theory brought to, the, to pedagogy. Um, it's, it's so far gone. The teachers' colleges are so far gone that we may, we may not be able to do anything about them. We may have to just say, no, you do not, to, to, you do not need to have gone to a, to a school of education. You do not need accreditation. Dolly Parton does not need accreditation to teach uh, uh, acting in, in fourth grade or fifth grade uh, in, 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 and so forth. Um, Mike, let me ask you, given the last year and a half, is homeschooling the answer? Uh, we're seeing the – because a lot of parents can't homeschool for financial reasons. They've got, they got to have two incomes. Right. But what we're seeing is this, this uh, flourishing of pods where families will get together and five families will create like a mini, mini school. Is that the answer? Well, there are many answers. There's no one answer. Uh, I think that homeschooling is an answer for those who, who can do it. I think having the money follow the student. You know, yes. w- w- when the government gives people um, uh, food stamps, they don't give the, f- the, the, the food stamps to the grocery store and say to the, to the person, <laughs> you know, you have to go to the, the grocery store and you have to purchase only the things that the grocer tells you to purchase. Yeah. That is a crazy thing to That's do. Good. It gives the money to the impoverished person, the person who needs the money, and they can use this voucher, this food stamp, at any grocery store he wants to use it or she wants to use it in. We need to follow that pattern with education, uh, especially today. You know, Bill Barr had a very good speech that he gave in May saying they, 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 because CRT has become real. I used to call it a state ideology. He says it's a state religion. Uh, the, the, the establishment clause tells us that we can no longer fund public schools in this manner. Yeah. We can no longer, since it's so generalized from coast to coast, I go... You know, I, was, I went to Aurora, Nebraska, uh, about three weeks ago, and there people were saying to me, this is a farming community. Well, this is the reddest county in the country. Why are, they, are these teachers like this? It's because of the teachers' unions and the fact that the teachers have gone through schools of ed. They're very good, many, many, many good teachers, but they have, they're having the curriculum dictated to them by the school board. Uh, so I think that half the money follow the student in half what, what has worked in every other part of our life, competition 
uh, it's going to people say, well, you can't abandon the public schools. No, it's going to make the public schools be better because they're going to have to compete, too, for these dollars. The book is The Making of a New Marxist Revolution, BLM, by our friend, senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Allison Center for Foreign Policy, Mike Gonzalez. Follow him at Gundi Salvas on Twitter. Mike, uh, you mentioned at the opening of uh, our interview all the countries you <laughs> visited, all the countries you've worked in. You mentioned that you, you visited or worked in Kabul. I don't know wh when that was, but since you've been to Afghanistan, I have to ask you on another topic your reaction to the events of the last two weeks? Well, I've been there four times. I lived in Kabul for a month in 1992. I'm heartbroken. I'm actually heartbroken. And, and, and not only have we, have we completely, this is a disaster of biblical proportions, but the president of the United States promised on TV he would leave no Americans behind. And he has left Americans behind enemy lines who are now being held virtually hostage, this pales in comparison, the 1979 Tehran event pales in comparison to this. This is, the English language has run out of words to describe this. This is a debacle, a fiasco. Um, I just can't believe that President Biden, by the way, you know, General Milley and, 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 and Defense, Defense Secretary uh, Lloyd Austin, they have received a lot of criticism in, in, in the terms of critical race theory, I think the, the criticism is well-deserved. But we understand that they went to the Oval Office with four or five really good plans. Yeah, but Mike, none of them resigned. They have no honor. If, if, their, if, right. their, if their recommendations right. were jettisoned by the president right. and they knew that you couldn't protect people if you closed down Bagram, they should have resigned, and they didn't. They, not, one, not one person. Right. Forget being fired. Right. None of them have resigned, Mike. So, so, that, so the, the chatter is that they don't want to resign in the middle of a crisis, but resignations will come. Uh, and that's, that's, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Uh, but, but many, many words have been written about this. Well, you know this. You, 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 this, is, this is your area. We're talking about do you resign in the middle of a crisis or do you wait for the, for the crisis to subside and then, and then resign? I see no sign of that. I see no I, sign of that. Right. Mike, um, let, let's uh, close. Let's, let's return to the topic of um, radicalism here in America, whether it's BLM, Antifa, the propagators of critical race theory, or sadly the, the Democrat Party, which is unrecognizable from the Democrat Party of Scoop Jackson, JFK, and, and well, the rest. Sure. Um, what is your message to those who are starting to wake up and who feel intimidated but realize that they may have a role to play. What is your message to those Americans, whether they immigrated here, whether they were born here, those who ha are slowly having their eyes on reality? Well, I don't really make it this thing. I think an American is an American, whether, wherever yeah. he was born. I think that I think many liberals in the realm of critical race theory, many liberals were already, you know, many of them very publicly, like Bill Maher, uh, or many academics, such as Steven Pinker at Harvard, they were beginning to say, you know, I don't even agree with Steven Pinker on an awful lot. I, he has been great on critical race theory because they are, they, guess what? They, 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 they like liberal democracy with small L and small D uh, in, in, in critical race theory. Goes out of its way, explicitly says, we don't like liberal democracy. Yeah. We don't like the equality principle. They say this! You know, equity, right? <laughs> we get to decide. Right, we get to decide. Equity, which is which is which has been corrupted—a term that has been corrupted now—to mean the opposite of equality. It used to mean the overlap between those two was like ninety percent. Now it's complete opposite. And 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 people, you ha we have to continue to say this to people. I imagine that many many liberals who still like liberty, 
will once they find out the truth will want no part of this. I, mean, I, I think you agree. Uh, if you look at the the, the plummeting figures for Joe Biden, if you look at the the people who voted for him and now regret voting for him, and the people who have buyer's remorse, I think you're right. So in the meantime, my friends. Educate yourself. Get to understand the threat. Read BLM. Follow this man on Twitter. Follow his work. And if you haven't done so, join the conservative mothership, the Heritage Foundation, heritage.org. Become a member today. God bless you, Mike. Keep doing what you do. And thank you for joining us here on America First One-on-One. As ever, my friends, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.